the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Welcome to those of you who are listening and or viewing this podcast or radio broadcast. We're delighted to have you with us. In this program, we try to interview people who have and are being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to those who otherwise would not be touched by the gospel. And uh, today we have uh, our brother Steve Vogel, who is with us. And, uh, and as you listen to his testimony, I encourage you to think about how could what I hear Steve is involved in how could how could that influence me? How could that give me ideas of how I can better be Jesus' hands and feet as a lifestyle? Steve, welcome, welcome to the program. We're really glad to uh, to have you with us today. Glad to be here. Uh, you know, when you and I talked earlier, uh, I was fascinated by the statistic you shared with me about young people who are aging out of the foster care system. See, tell me, tell us, what percentage of those kids who age out, and, and explain what it means to age out um, of the foster care system, what, what, what happens to them after they leave the foster care system? Sure. So um, in throughout this, the country, actually, not just the state of Arizona, when a young adult turns 18 years old, um, they technically age out of the foster care system, which means that their foster families or their group homes are no longer eligible for funding for them. And so especially if they're in the group homes on their 18th birthday, they're given a suitcase or a plastic bag and said, have a nice life. Um, yeah. You're an adult yeah. now and, and you're, you're responsible for yourself. And I don't know about you, but when I was 18, I wasn't ready to do that. No, and I grew no up way. in an amazing home. And yeah. so, I'm not um, talking about you when I say no way. <laughs> I came out myself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the stats show that uh, over 50% of the young adults that age out of the foster care system will be homeless within a year. Um, and that's just a staggering stat. These these young adults are they're not ready to be on their own. Most of them have not graduated high school. Um, they've been bounced around from school to school, and 
And so they're, they're just told just because you've turned this magic number of 18, that you are capable of taking care of yourself. Yeah, and when you, not. when you, when you tell that story, Steve, it gives me goosebumps, not, not of excitement, but of just tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, the trajectory of their life is, is unfathomable at that point. You know, 60% of the young ladies that age out of foster care are pregnant within a year. Um, over 90% of the young men that are on death row here in the United States came out of the foster care system. Say it again. Over 90% of the men that are on death row in the United States came out of the foster care system. 90%. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when you look at the, the societal issues that we have, human trafficking, 60% of the young ladies rescued out of human trafficking came out of foster care. Um, homelessness, drug addiction, all of those things that are caused uh, by the trauma and the breakdown of the family. So how did you become aware of this? And how did did you and your wife and family get involved in doing something about this? And so I was actually retired. I was um, um, enjoying life after a 20-year corporate America um, work. Uh, my wife was uh, volunteering at a uh, shelter that housed women that had been rescued out of human trafficking. And there was a young lady that she was mentoring that had seven kids in the foster care system, and she was pregnant with her eight. And, uh, and well, it, she was in the foster care system. She no, had... she she was out of the foster care. She had, okay. she had uh, she had aged out of foster care and been rescued out of human trafficking. Um, right. But she asked us whether we would be willing to take that eighth child when he was born, um, because all of her other kids were already in foster care, and and that eighth one was. So going she grew too. up in foster care. She grew up in foster. And her care. seven kids, yes, were in yes. foster care. Yeah, yeah. And, and she that's, wanted you to take. She wanted us to take one. the eighth one. Yeah. Well, so. My wife called me, I was on the golf course and she said, Hey, um, I need your social security number. They're going to do a, a background check on you. Um, because this young lady would like for us to take her child. Um, it's just going to be really brief because we're working hard at trying to get her reunified. And, uh, so when I got home that night from the golf course, we had a baby in our house <laughs> and we had just dropped off our youngest, um, biological son at college. So we were empty nesters. So, um, as my wife walked through this with this young mom, she realized the difficulties of um, a, a young mom or, or um, even a, a young dad trying to get their kids back out of foster care yeah. and what that struggle was. And so that's kind of where the vision was birthed to thrive. What vision? So we, uh, we initially decided that we were going to come alongside at-risk moms that were at risk of either losing their kids to the foster care system, or they were in the process of getting their kids back um, and due to poverty. Um, Cause we never want to see a family separated because they don't have the basic resources that they need. Um, and so we started coming alongside young moms by providing the first thing was safe sleep. Um, the department of child safety requires that every uh, child has their own bed. Uh, And so we uh, started providing beds and working with the Department of Child Safety to keep kids out of the foster care system. And so we're we're excited to say that since we started in 2016, we've been able to partner with the Department of Child Safety and keep over 5,000 kids out of the foster care system just by providing basic resources. How many, Steve? Over 5,000. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That gives me goosebumps, but excited <laughs> goosebumps. Yes, we're, we're pretty excited about that. Absolutely. So, and then as, as we kept on going through this um, process, we realized the issue with um, aged out young adults and the, the struggles that they were facing when they age out. And so um, God blessed us with a 26 acre property where we now house 45 aged out young adults. Where, um, where, where is this property? Uh, we are in uh, off of uh, in Peoria, off of Thunderbird in in Phoenix. Okay, uh, it used to be a boarding school for Native American kids, and it, it had been kind of abandoned since the mid '90s. And uh, so we we took over that property, and we're using it to house aged out young adults. So what what do you call your group? Uh, we're called Thrive Arizona. I love it. Yeah, our Thrive. our. Uh, our our motto is uh, a family that has hope will thrive. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, Steve, who is Steve Vogel? Well, it, go ahead. No, I, that that that's my question. <laughs> that's your question. You know what? You know what causes a guy who's retired, and you know. By the way, what's your handicap? <laughs> uh, my handicap is five, so I'm not too bad. Okay, good. All right. And doing doing pretty well at golfing and uh, and enjoying retirement? No. No. I'm working harder now than I ever have, to be honest with you. Um, Like I said, who is Steve Vogel? How did that happen? So um, I am a father of four, three biological um, adults. Now they're, they're 32, 30, right. and 28. Right. And then I've got a young lady that we adopted out of the foster care system. We got her at four days old. She's now six. Um, so our life is weird because I've got a four-year-old grandchild and a two-year-old grandchild. So <laughs> <laughs> having your daughter play with your grandchild at the same age right. is, is different. But yeah. Um, I grew up as a Christ follower. I, I was blessed to be in a in a very godly family. Grew up in the church, accepted Jesus at a young age, um, but I, I just really got into life and just being a provider for my family and and work. And I, I never fell away from the faith, but Satan was kind of ignoring me because I wasn't doing anything to to grow my faith or to grow others and bring Steve, them. Steve, say that again. I want the people who are listening to hear what you just said. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the enemy will ignore us if we don't do anything to uh, to change the kingdom and to bring people to the kingdom. And so I, I lived a very um, easy life, I will say, for, for quite a few years because I was just coasting for God. Um, and then we took a family mission trip to the Dominican Republic, and uh, uh, that really changed the trajectory of my life just to see the need all around me and, and how... Um, God has called us to, um, in James one twenty seven, take care of the widows and the orphans. And so um, that, that really uh, was our impetus to, to really start to open our eyes to what was going on around us in the world um, and to use the resources that God had given us um, to be able to, to change those things. And, and uh, therefore, that's, that's really why um, we, we had our eyes open and our hands open um, to what God was calling us to do. Well, so I I want those who are listening to, uh, especially those of us who are retirement age, to remember that you know retirement doesn't mean checking out of life. It's an opportunity to check in, and yeah. uh, and and God used a mission trip 
to awaken you to that. Uh, to so, for those of you who are uh, listening and watching this podcast and radio broadcast, we want you to know that you're listening to the Kingdom and its stories, and the whole purpose of this podcast is to interview people who whose story the Lord can use to challenge you to think about how you can be Jesus' hands and feet, not as something that you do on the side, but as something that is a lifestyle. It's something that defines you so that as people watch you, they see Jesus and are drawn to him. So, Steve, you were, you were telling us about Steve Ogle and how he is. So how, how did the ministry that you now call Thrive, how, how did that develop? What are its dimensions today? How many, um, how many people are you treating or not treating, but ministering to at one time? Just give us a picture of the ministry. Yeah, so like I said, it, it started with my wife's vision of just saying, we need to come alongside these these young moms and help them. And so over the dinner table, she looked at me one, one night and she said, I need you to get me a truck so that I can go out and pick up other people's stuff so I can take it to these families. Um, and, and so that's how we started. We, we went out and bought a box truck. Um, I, uh, I was a sales guy for 20 years. And so I, I'm pretty good at, at sharing visions and, and <laughs> those types of things. So we went and met with a, a, an elderly man that was at end of life that was looking to get rid of his money. Um, and, and he gave us our first $75,000 to start. So we rented a couple of metal containers. Uh, we set up an office in our home. We bought a truck. And we just started helping um, families. And we were really hoping to be able to help 50 families in the first year. That was that was our goal. Um, and, yeah, and let we, me interrupt, Steve. You yeah. said families. Before we were talking about kids that were aging out of um, out of foster care. Yeah. Now, so so Thrive that... is Thrive is a two-part ministry. We we help families that are at risk of losing their kids to the Department of Child Safety, and we also come alongside aged-out young adults oh, okay. that are aged out of the foster right. care system. Okay. Right. So um, we, we just started with helping families. Uh, now, to date, we're serving about 150 families a month. Uh, we're giving out about 150 beds a month, so we've given out well over 6,000 beds since we've started um, in no, 2016. Why, why, why the importance on beds? So safe sleep is the main thing that is required by the Department of Child Safety for each child to have in order to be able to stay in their home. Okay. And so we provide brand new twin beds, sheets, pillows to all, all of the at-risk kids. So, um, so if a kid is sleeping with their parents, they don't have a bed? That, that is not allowed. There, there's okay. no co-sleeping. They can't sleep on the floor in a sleeping bag. None of those. It has to be their own bed. They have to have a bed. Yeah. And that's part of our government regulations. Yes. How does the government even find out about that? Well, the Department of Child Safety was called for some reason, whether it was neglect um, okay. or some type. There, there was something going on in the family that somebody recognized that made a call to the Department of Child Safety. Okay. Um, so that's that's how that they get involved. Um, so uh, then in 2020, we realized, like I said, the the impact of aging out of foster care. 
And uh, so we, we were able to move on to this new property that we're on and, and begin to house um, aged out young adults. So now monthly we're, we're housing 45 aged out young adults. We're serving about 150 families a month. Um, our, our budget went from $75,000 a year to $900,000 a year. Um, and God just continues to provide as we are faithful and walking um, through. I, I tell my friends that I've never heard the audible voice of God that has told me, this is what I want you to do. But what I do know is that as long as I continue to walk down the path that I believe he's calling me to and am, am open to change, he will open the doors that need to be opened and he'll close the doors that need to be closed. So you don't, you don't have, um, you don't, you don't have a, uh, a necessity to hear the voice of God. You don't have a need to have a Damascus Road experience because God has spoken to you. Yeah, he has. He's spoken to all of us, really. I mean, when when I look at, I reference James one twenty seven when he says, pure and undefiled religion is this. That's pretty important. And so um, when, when we hear that, that's not just a command to a couple of us. That's a command to all of us. You've heard the voice of God. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Tell us some stories that illustrate um, the impact of um, what God has given you the privilege of doing. Yeah, I'll give you two stories. One about a family. It was one of the first families that we ever served. This young mom was um, her husband had died and caused her to fall into homelessness. And her and her eight kids were sleeping in two cars. Uh, and she would move them around the valley because you, you can't stay in the same park. Um, and, and just life had thrown her a curveball. And she was getting her kids up and going to a thrive, or I'm sorry, a Fry's grocery store at 6 a.m. every morning to clean them up and get them to school. They never missed a day of school. Those kids were just so. They went so, to Fry's to clean up? They went to Fry's to clean up because they the were bathroom. sleeping in their cars. Yes. Unfortunately, the, the uh, manager was kind enough to let them do that. And so when we met her, um, I'm she, gonna, I'm going to stop shopping fries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, when, when I uh, met her, uh, she, she was just desperate. She had nothing. And uh, we were able to partner with a local church that actually had a house um, that they let us use. Wow. And so we moved this young mom into her home with her eight children. Um, they, she got a job uh, and uh, within a year was able to get her own place. And, and wow. uh, we, we still hear from her regularly. Um, and just the, the resources that we were able to give her, she was able to have that hand up that she needed to be able to get on her feet. Well, do you still have contact with the kids? We, we do. We, we talk to them. They, they probably come in at least once a month and just say hello. Oh, wow. um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Then I've got a, a story of a, a young man and an aged out young man um, who had had a really tough life. His, his dad passed away when he was 14 and then his grandma passed away a year later. And that caused him to go into the foster care system because he, didn't have any other relatives to take care of him. Right. And he really was in a deep depression. And, and he went to 18 different high schools. Um, and although he was 18, was still only a freshman in high school. Um, and, and just 18 different high schools because of all the different foster homes that he was in and out of. Oh, uh, and uh, 
he came to us and we we toured our our property um we we have for the guys we have dorm style housing where each one gets their own room but they're set up like a college dorm decorated that way And, and so he was one of our first residents that we took in and we let him walk around and just pick which room that he wanted and uh, he finally settled on a room and he sat down and he laid his stuff down and and he just started to cry and he's like this is the first time in a long time that i felt safe and i felt loved and that's the one thing for us is that we we're not always the right program for these young adults. We require them to go to church. We have a lot of requirements of them. We have a lot of expectations of them. But one thing that they do know is whether they make it through our program or not, they will tell their caseworkers and the people that are involved in their lives that they knew that they were loved. And, and that's all that we can do. We can show them Christ's love and, and hope that uh, they, they realize that the thing that they need the most are not stuff. What they need is a relationship with Jesus. Well, well, it, when you when you told me that that young man sat down and cried, I teared up <laughs> because that is so important that we feel loved. Absolutely. If we don't feel loved, then what is life? That's right. It doesn't have any. It doesn't have any meaning, have any purpose. Steve, there are many people who are listening who may not be retired, may not have the resources to be able to reach out like you and your wife did. What's your counsel to them? How can they what would be some examples of ways they could reach out? Well, here's there, there was a wise man that once told me that you just take what you have in your hand and you start. And, you know, he used the example, if you want to start a feeding ministry, you find a hungry person, you go to McDonald's, you buy a hamburger, take it to the hungry person. Now you've started a feeding ministry. And it doesn't take lots of resources. Uh, It just takes somebody to be willing to be open um, to what God has called them to do. I, I encourage people, figure out what keeps you up at night. What breaks your heart? Is it for young kids? Is it for uh, veterans? Whatever that looks like. Um, Take that, take that thing that that breaks your heart and figure out a way that you can get involved. And it it can be very small. It it can be volunteering. We we need volunteers. If you've got a couple of minutes that you can come once a month and volunteer and help us, that's great. Um, There's just so many different ways to get involved that it frustrates me that people say, I don't know how to start. You just start by taking a step and and God will meet you through the whole the whole process. I love that that line. What, what is it that is in your hand? Mm-hmm. You don't need more than what's in your hand. I think of the story of, of the little boy um, on the seashore. Um, Jesus wanted his disciples to feed the whole crowd. Thousands of people. But Really, Jesus knew what was going to happen. And he asked, what do you have? 
and Andrew happened to be standing beside that little guy. And he looked down at the little boy's lunch and he said, Oh, Jesus, we have, <laughs> we have um, five little biscuits and uh, two loaves or two, two fish. And Jesus said, bring them to me. I'll bet when that little boy left home that day, he had no idea that Jesus was going to take what is what was in his hands and feed thousands of people. I would imagine that the young people, Steve, that you and your wife have ministered to are just the tip of the iceberg of the results that you guys are going to see in heaven of how God has used what he placed in your hand and you gave it to God and he has multiplied it beyond anything that you have seen. And my challenge to those of us who are listening, those of you who are listening and watching is to ask that question. What has God placed in your hand? Give it to him. And you will see, maybe not in this life, but in the future of how God is multiplied. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.